Well, good morning, folks. It's great to be with you again. Uh, I want to let you in on a little bit of information. Uh, first of all, you know, it's hard to believe it's the end of June already. I mean, this year is really flying by, but in the last three months, of course, with all the stuff going on, it may seem like it's not been going very fast at all, but, you know, time doesn't stop. It keeps moving. We're going to try our best to continue to bring these messages to you on Sunday mornings. Uh, you should be able to go online anytime after 8.30, 9 o'clock and be able to watch them. And we're hoping that they're blessing you and your family and your time there together in your little worship time. Uh, we still understand there's a lot of people that are not able to get out and can't get out or choose not to get out at this time. That's, again, perfectly okay but know that we're going to continue to reach out to you in love. And if there's something we can do or you have a prayer request, please know that you're still part of the family and you just need to let us know and we'll be able to reach out with that prayer for you and your family as well. So I'm going to come back in a few minutes and we're going to have uh, communion together this morning. And then a little bit later, of course, we'll have another message from God's Word. We're going to talk today about drifting or following. Because you can only do one or the other uh, with God. You can either drift away from Him or you can follow Him. It's your choice and my choice. But know that we love you today. Talk to you soon.
Well, we made it back. I want to share with you a scripture today as we begin to uh, prepare our hearts and our minds for the Lord's Supper together. Um, you know, one of the things I was thinking this morning as I got up, I was thinking about when I was in Africa years ago, and I thought, you know, it's really unique to be able to go, you know, well, on the other side of the world and still be able to find Christian brothers and sisters, of course, but also on one of the Sundays that I was, uh, the first Sunday that I was there, um, we took communion together. And it was very, very special because even though I was thinking about Christ and what he had done for me and how he had saved me from my sin and what he did at the cross and all of that is certainly the value of remembering what Christ did, knowing that I'm saved not by what I do but what, what he did on the cross, but actually that I, had, I could commune with brothers and sisters. that I didn't know who those people were. But I knew they loved Jesus. And, but I also knew that halfway around the world on this side, people were also taking communion. And so when you take today, just remember, people around the world are taking communion. And they're your brothers and sisters in Christ. And because of what Christ had done for them as well as for you and for me. And I just found that fascinating. It was a beautiful, beautiful ceremony that first Sunday morning that we were there in Africa. So here's the scripture I'm going to read today. It's going to be from uh, Luke chapter 24. Um, this is where Jesus is sitting at the table with his disciples. And he says, when he, the word says, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, he gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. A little bit further down it says, and he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, I use that verse a lot because it is the, the important aspect of this communion time is to remember for us not to forget what Christ did for us on the cross. And we can get so busy in our world that we can actually forget. So as we take this bread this morning, I want to remind all of us to just take a moment and remember what Jesus did. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this bread. And we do pause in this busy world in which we're in. And we remember what you did for us on the cross. Help us to not forget it wasn't easy to walk that street and carry that cross. It wasn't easy for you to lay down on that cross and be nailed to it. Knowing that you had the power to call down 10,000 angels. But you did it for me, for us. I thank you for that. And also, Father, I thank you that brothers and sisters around the world that are taking this even as I speak, and maybe even later in the day or whenever it is they meet together, that we are together and we're united because of what Christ did on the cross for us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And so as we take this, the fruit of the vine, we also remember again that it's not the blood of Jesus, but it's the remembering of the shedding of his blood for us. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the shedding of that blood of your son, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for staying on the cross. We thank you for bleeding out so that our sins might be covered. We believe you, Lord. We, we love you, Lord. We trust you, Lord. And we know that you died for us, 
And we know that you went to a grave, and we know and we believe that you arose on the third day. We give you all glory and praise, knowing because of all of that event that took place, it was for us to be right with you. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, that does it for our communion this morning. I'll be right back in just a few minutes. Again, love you. Made it back. Told you I would. It's good to be with you again today, as I said earlier. Um, you know, today I want to talk to you about following or drifting from God. Because you can, you can only do one or the other in our lives. Now, I, I once heard of a dairy farmer say that the hardest thing about milking cows is they don't stay milked. And that's really true, isn't it? It's something you have to continually do in your life. Well, one of the hardest things for us as Christians in our walk with the Lord is that we have to allow God's Spirit to convict us, convince us, motivate us, all those other things within us on a daily basis so that we're walking with the Lord and we're following the Lord and doing what He would have us to do. If not, we can just kind of drift away. A.W. Tozer said it like this, and I love this quote from him. He said, the complacency of Christians is the scandal of Christianity. The complacency of Christians is the scandal of Christianity. He goes on to write, time is short and eternity is long. 
The awareness of sin used to be our shadow. Nowadays, the accusations that you have sinned is often even said with a grin. And how true that is. If you aren't constantly aware of your relationship with God on a continual basis, you'll begin to drift from the presence of God. Now, some of the saddest scriptures, I've, I've shared some with you before, but some of the saddest scriptures that I find in scripture is found in the book of John chapter 6. And I want to read that for you this morning. And I would ask that you read the whole thing and the entire text there. But this is just one verse, and it is sad. It simply says this in verse 66. From this time, many of the disciples turned back and no longer followed him. That's pretty amazing. And when I read that, and I just read that aspect of it, I often wonder if I had been a follower of Jesus back then, going through what they were going through at the time, the struggles and the stress and the, and, and the, uh, you know, the ridicule and all the other things that they may have been going through, I ask myself, would I have been one that chose to turn back and just drift away? Now, none of us want to be that person we would all simply say oh not me that would never happen to me I'm a follower of Christ and I'm there no matter what do you know there are many many Christians out there many many people in our world today that used to say that or have said that and they no longer follow Christ they just drifted away something came up something went awry something in their life happened and they just went away and they only see God now as a way, not the way. Because you see, when you only see God or Christ as a way and not the way, then anyways, okay. And so they just drift away. I want to tell you what's on my heart lately. And I've been praying about this for quite some time. But I want to tell you today that He is still worth following. If he was worth following before, he's still worth following today. Now, I know that you know that. And I know that's what you believe. But I have a concern, and that concern is deep within my spirit. In fact, it keeps me up at night sometimes, to tell you the truth. It wakes me up early in the mornings. And I think about that, and I wonder about it. Our world has been in a whirlwind of a ride the last three or so months. There is no doubt that you know that. But it can become easy for people, for Christians, for you and I to become complacent and content. Or even out of a habit or a host of other things, I could say, that can cause one to just lose interest and drift away. In Hebrews chapter 2, he warns us about that, the writer here. I would ask that you read all verses that they are of 1 through 4 of pulling that full context there. But in that first verse of Hebrews chapter 2, it says, We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. We must pay attention. If you don't pay attention, you'll start drifting away from God. And we need to understand that. You know, drifting on a lazy river at the water park is a fun thing to do. I like that. It's relaxing. But drifting while you're driving behind the wheel of a car is, could be deadly. 
You've probably done that. You're going down the road and for whatever reasons, it could be something was distracting and someone said something and you looked at your phone when you shouldn't have looked at your phone. You've done that before, haven't you? Maybe you nodded and you shouldn't have nodded and you just drifted off the side and your wheel fell off the, and you're like, whoa, and it kind of yeah, startles you and you, well, i got to pay more attention. It happens, doesn't it? It happens to the best of us. It even happens in our spiritual walk of life. And we may not even notice it. Because we think we simply say, well, I love Jesus, Jesus loves me, and everything's fine. But we can begin to drift away. We even look at our nation. The United States of America. Just in a few short days, we're going to celebrate the 4th of July and, and the meaning of that Independence Day that we have. And yet all the things that we're going through. The United States was founded upon biblical principles, godly scripture. Every constitutional document that you look at, it's just laden with the scripture, God's holy word, Bible verses. And yet recent days we have abandoned the God, or I should say probably for decades we've abandoned the God who gave us life and liberty altogether. For what have we abandoned it for? For nothing more than a pop gods with a little g of a culture around us. Think about that. Just a gradual lack of focus, loss of direction, carelessness until the erosion took over and here we are. Starling. So let's look at Scripture. In Luke chapter 5, as we take a look at this guy today, he started off just like you and just like me. A guy that did what oftentimes we find ourselves doing. We hear the word of God. We hear the call of God whenever it is in our lives. And we follow God. And we're confident in God. And then trouble comes. Strife comes. Hurts come. Pain comes. Sickness comes. The world happens. And it seems to cave in. And all of a sudden we lose our confidence. We lose our drive. We begin to deny. We begin to slack off. We begin to reject. We begin to disown. And then we finally... Turn away. Now most Christians that I know of deal with that within their hearts. Somewhere in, in all through or throughout their Christian walk. They deal with those things because life happens to you and to me. And it causes us, it jars us, it's, it, it makes us feel like, I don't know if I can make it or not. I, I'm not sure if this is this real. Is What's happening? Are you not listening to me? Those things happen in your life. I know they happen in my life. Most Christians I know deal with it. And during these times that we're going through right now, it is easy for Satan to come in and it's easy for him to get us to just drift away. And we look around and we say, where are they? They just turn their back because it's too hard to follow. So let's look at the Scripture. In Luke chapter 5 again, in verses 8 and following, if you know the story there, this is where the disciples are called, the first disciples are called. Jesus is on the shoreline. You know it. Jesus is on the shoreline. He's talking to some people and the disciples, before the disciples, they're out in there. They're just fishing. They fished all night. They couldn't catch no fish. And they've docked their boats and they're ready to wash their nets and go home take a nap to do it all again tomorrow. 
And Jesus says, could I borrow one of your boats? I need to talk to these people. And sure, go ahead and borrow the boat. He's cast out a little bit. And he tells them the stories and he begins to share with them. And he finally says, you guys catch any fish? No, we didn't catch any fish. Fished all night. And he said, well, why don't you throw your nets out and see what you get. And they caught so much. It was just an amazing story. But in verse number 11, it goes on to say, so they pulled their boats up to the shore, left everything and followed him. Did you catch that? Right after the greatest catch that they've ever made, they left it. That's an amazing story. And you've done that in your life, haven't you? You went to a church camp, somebody got up and preached the word, somebody was singing a song, and, and it was just touched your heart, touched your life, and all of a sudden you found yourself down, giving your life to Christ, being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you were excited, you were thrilled. It could have been at the church gospel meetings that we used to have. That's when it happened for me. And, and you, the preacher was preaching, and boy, I mean, he was just getting to you. And you didn't, you didn't go that night to really do that or go through that. But man, something was stirring in your spirit. You couldn't hold yourself. And the next thing I knew, I was on the front row. Or you call your family up and you say, hey, I'm going to get baptized this week. I want everybody to come because I'm so excited. And it's an exciting time in your life. And you're thrilled about that. Sounds like you, doesn't it? So here's a guy, he sold out for Jesus. He was thrilled. He was willing to give it all up and follow Christ. Sounds like you. Sounds like me. Matthew chapter 14. Confidence comes. Confidence of Peter. Man, this guy has confidence. And you have confidence, don't you? Sure you do. He has so much confidence in the, what's taking place in this story. You know the story well. There in, again, Matthew chapter 4, starting with verse number 25 and following. The story is this. They've just fed the 5,000 or so people. And Jesus says, I want you guys to go to the other side of the lake. And I'm going to go to the mountains. I'm going to spend some time with the Father in prayer. I'll join you later. So what do they do? They go out and they get in the boat. And they, get, they, they start going. It's late at night. It's, it's kind of stormy outside. It's late at night. And all of a sudden they hear somebody. They see somebody walking on the water. And it scares the bejeebers out of them. And they simply say, oh, it's a ghost. It's a ghost. And Jesus says, that's not a ghost. It's me. And Peter yells out. Not all the others, but Peter does. Peter yells out and says, If it's you, Lord, let me come. Come on out here. And Peter jumps out of the boat and he walks on the water confident that God was out there. Confident that his Lord and Master was out there. Now we look at the story and see him sinking in the water and say, Yeah, he had little faith. Yeah, but he walked on water. The rest stayed in the boat. Confidence. Sounds like you. Sounds like me. We're dedicated, we're confident in God, what He has done in our lives, what He's doing in our lives, and we're so excited. It's just, it, it, you become this water walker yourself, and you're like thrilled about life. Sounds good so far, doesn't it? And then we turn to Mark chapter 14. In Mark chapter 14, Jesus gathers His disciples and He tells them, He says, you guys are all going to deny Me. What? You're going to deny Me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, all of you. And Peter, of course, he said, what, what, wait, oh, time out, Lord. I don't know what you're talking about here. Wait a minute, that guy might, that guy might. Yep, he's going to, but not me. Oh, no, not me. Jesus said, oh, yes, you too. Sound like you, sound like me, sounds like us. Then it happens. You're not wanting it to happen, but it happens. Because it happens to all of us. Things come along. Things come along and things get twisted. Things get turned. Things get 
heated up in our lives. Things get, uh, things look better for us. Mm, that looks better. That looks like more fun than going to church and listening to Harley Davidson. <laughs> Who said that? But in that, we, 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 we change. Things get scary. Fear sets in. Then we begin to doubt. Then we begin to be scared some more. And then we doubt some more. And before you know it, we begin to drift. Then we turn to Mark chapter 14. Oh, it all comes to pass then, see? Jesus had already told them what was going to happen. Jesus said, all of you are going to do it. Peter said, no, not me. And then Peter does what? Well, you know the story. They come to gather. They come to arrest Jesus. Yeah. You know that story. He come, they come to arrest Jesus and, and Peter's like, no, I'm still confident in this guy. Give me my sword. He slices off Malchus's ear and says, aha, take that. Come on, Lord, let's sick him. And God says, hey, put, put your sword back up. Pops the ear back on Malchus's head and then they lead Jesus into the courts to go on trial for nothing. What happens to Peter? What happens to the other? They scatter. But Peter finds himself warming himself by the fire outside the courthouse, if you will. And there he is, and he's warming himself by all these rioters, if you will, and all of their, their, their things that are going on. And, and one turns to him and says, hey, aren't you one of them? Oh, no, no. What do you mean? I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. A little while later, he says, um, they say, oh, I think you are. You kind of look like the, no, I'm not him. I'm not with that guy. And then finally they say, uh, you, you, you know, your accent's just like his. I'm pretty sure you're with him. Oh, no, no, no. He calls curses down on himself and just says, Oh, no, I don't, ever do that. I don't know what you're talking about. And bingo, the rooster crows. Yeah. That's how it happens. It comes in. It comes in very slowly. We drift. And before we know it, it takes over and begin, we, we begin to forget. We forget about our great experience at camp. We forget about our new birth excitement. We, we begin to forget about the strength that we had, the confidence that we had in this God, the things that were so great. We, we, we forget about this great nation and how it was built and how it was formed. And then we let the volume of the world speak louder than the truth of God's Word in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives. And one thing leads to another, and one leads to another day, and another week, and another day, and another week, and we wake up one morning and we hear the rooster crow. All because we drifted. Or perhaps we drift so far that we can't even hear the rooster anymore in our lives. It's not what we wanted in our lives. It's not what we planned to do, but here we are. Here we are. Let me remind all of us this, and this is important. The fall of a person, the fall of people, and the fall of a nation happens because they drift. We drift away from God. And in the end, it ends in nothing but a cesspool of sin. And that is clearly evident in what we are witnessing today. Ask yourself this question, would you please? Ask yourself, is the voice of the world that you see today leading to 
Godliness or to debauchery, which simply means extreme indulgence in bodily pleasures. It's pretty easy to answer, isn't it? My friend, there is only two paths in life in which you can take. Only two. And only one leads to God and the other leads away from God. Matthew chapter 7. And so my encouragement today as we kind of begin to close here, don't you dare give up. You need someone to stand before you that, is, that says, don't you dare give up. Don't you let Satan trick you into believing what the world is selling you today. Jesus was worth following then and He is worth following now. Don't let the sin fool you into believing that you're okay. Don't let the pandemic steal your commitment. Don't let the civil unrest steal your joy. Peter, and you read his story, he refocused, he rededicated, he poured himself out to the Lord, and he was made right and was restored in his walk with God. His drifting turned from drifting away to now a commitment that was deeper than ever before following God. Yours can too. Mine can too. John Corson wrote these words. I found this and I just love it. He simply said, Most of us are not in danger of plunging into the sea of carnality. This week or next week, most of us are not going to go and become murderers or drug addicts. The danger is not plunging into the ocean of perversity, but rather drifting away from goodness almost unnoticeably. Are you drifting away from God? Are you drifting or following is the question. Do you want a healing today in your spirit? Do you want a healing for our nation today? The way that starts... The way that starts is for you and for me to make sure that we are following Jesus and not drifting toward the lie of the world is selling us. God's promise, God's promise to you and to me, to us, is that He will heal us and that He will forgive us and He will prosper us if we will turn back to Him and follow Him. Follow Him once again. Over and over again throughout Scripture, when God's people got back on the right path, blessings came. And what this nation needs is people to stand up and stand for the truth of God's Word and say, who are we following? And if we'll quit following the world and start following God, I'm convinced that He will heal our lands. His promise is there. He will do the same for us today that He did for them. But we cannot be complacent. We cannot be content. We cannot be lackadaisical any longer in our following of Christ. For when we are, we are drifters and not followers. For if there was ever a time in our history that we needed to hear and obey this verse it is now, my friend. And that's 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse number 14. It's not just words someone puts on a plaque. It's the word from God. 
And it's as if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from the heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Let's pray. Father, forgive us. Forgive us of the sin that we have committed toward you, Father. We have turned so far from you. Our world is in a mess. And it's all because, it's all because we have not turned to you. Every group, every every person can point to other things, but Father, it is the, the truth is, is that we have not stayed focused on following you. And until we do, Father, we, we need to know, we need to come to understand that we'll never have a healing in our land. It just won't happen. Father, please forgive us. Please forgive us. Help us to turn from our wicked ways. Help us to recommit our lives to you. And as we do, Father, may we believe with all of our hearts that not only forgiveness comes to us, but you will heal our land. I pray that all that hear this today are moved by your spirit and not by words that someone says. For it's only by words that someone says, Father, it's just laughed at or thrown aside. But if you will touch their spirits, Father, it will move people to follow you again. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, know that I love you and God loves you more. Talk to you soon. Oh!